0: Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and supplemented them with research into ancient Greek history. Because mythology comes from oral tradition, there's a wide variety across sources. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. The Gate of Ivory towered over the desolate landscape of the underworld. Crafted eons ago from the tusks of a gigantic beast, it was the lone white structure in a sea of gray. The figure creeping through the gate now was not a ghost, though she was almost as pale as one. Her name was Melinoe, and she had been a prisoner of Hades for 15 years. Tonight, she was getting out. Malinowe slid up against an ivory pillar and peered through the gate. A winding path curled up a steep gray hill, disappearing into a cloud of mist. It didn't look like much of anything, but Malinowe knew otherwise. Beyond that mist lay everything she desired the world of the living. As Melinoe stepped out of the archway, she heard the thrum of beating wings overhead. Hades had released the Iriniis, or as Melinoe knew them. The furies! Melinoe barreled out of the archway and up the path. The hill was steeper than it looked, and within moments she was scrambling upwards on all fours. The sound of wings pounded in her ears, but she was almost at the summit. Through the haze, she could make out a warm orange light. It was the sun, and it was so close. Ah! Melinoe leaped back as a massive black chariot led by four black horses pulled in front to block her path. The driver glowered down at her with burning eyes while his black cloak and wild black hair billowed around him. Hades, god of the underworld, stepped down from the carriage.
1: You have never wanted for anything. Food, servants, jewelry. I give it all freely. And all I ask is that you follow my single rule.
2: I'm through with your rules and this whole evil place. I'm leaving you, tyrant.
1: Come now, Malinois. Is that any way to speak to your father?
0: Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the final episode on our tour of mythological underworlds. From the duat of ancient Egypt to the nightmarish hell of the Norse, our ancestors' conceptions of death were as vivid and varied as they were terrifying. Last week we met Hades, the ruler of the ancient Greek underworld, along with a host of other thonic or subterranean deities. Today we'll shift focus to the other Hades, the kingdom he ruled. The ancient Greeks saw the underworld as a very real, physical place deep beneath the earth. Unlike the sprawling demon-infested Duat and mysterious Hell, Hades was an ordered, structured kingdom with distinct regions and firmly enforced borders. Every soul had its place, and every deity had a job to do. It was the perfect underworld for the practical, innovative Greeks, and exactly the type of place you'd expect a dutiful, iron-willed king to manage. It was also the last place you could ever hope to escape from. Coming up, a soul slips through Haiti's iron grip and sets the underworld on course for war.
1: Auto insurance can all seem the same until it comes time to use it. So don't get stuck paying more for less coverage. Switch to USAA Auto Insurance and you could start saving money in no time. Get a quote today. Restrictions apply. USAA! Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake
2: what makes Bai so great? It's simple. From Raspberry Lemon Lime by Sydney Sweeney to Zambia Bing Cherry and Palavo Pineapple Mango, Bai has antioxidants, electrolytes, and no artificial sweeteners. So for flavorful hydration, choose Bai. It's wonder water. Learn more
1: about Bai and discover all of the exotic, bold flavors at DrinkBai.com.
0: When I first heard my god's tale, my heart swelled with pride. Here was a god who ruled not by whim or passions, but by law. I was comforted that when death came for me, I would pass into his care. And knowing this, I thought I would never be afraid to die. It was only a few short months later that the barbarians came to Pylos. I remember running through the courtyard with the other acolytes while warning bells sounded around us. The gates had fallen. The attackers were in the city. Looking down the steps to our grotto, I saw a horde of them in the main square, overturning carts and setting buildings ablaze. At their front was the largest man I had ever seen, a hulking figure with a bow in one hand and a club in the other. Across his massive shoulders was his famous cloak, made from the hide of the Nemean lion. The barbarians did not see us and we reached the temple unscathed. Ordinarily, it was opened only one day a year and only one priest was allowed to enter. But today, there were no rules. We threw open the doors and barricaded ourselves inside crowding around the statue of Hades, we prayed like we had never prayed before. Oh, headaches again, my love? Hades sat on his throne, massaging his furrowed brow. Not even Persephone's cool touch could dispel the pain in his pounding skull. And for once, this headache wasn't caused by Hermes's prattling.
1: It's those accursed Pylians. They won't stop shouting my name.
0: Well, have you ever considered
2: helping them? You have a temple there and everything. That makes them your people.
1: (sighs) They're among the living. Once they're dead, they'll be my people. Then I'll help them.
2: Oh, I'm sure they'll appreciate it.
0: You missed Hermes earlier, delivering the usual party invitations. And he asked about the doctor again.
1: (sighs) I already told him I am not giving up my favorite physician. I like Asclepius right where he
0: is." The Siege of Pylos was only the first of Hades' problems. The more pressing issue was a disagreement between Hades and his brother Zeus over the fate of a single mortal soul, that of a physician named Asclepius. It all started when Asclepius discovered a way to bring the dead back to life. Despite the doctor's pure intentions, the procedure threatened to unravel the tenuous fabric of fate. Hades and Zeus both agreed that Asclepius had to go. That would have been the end of things if Asclepius had been an ordinary mortal, but as it turned out, the doctor had a famous father, the sun god Apollo.
1: Can you believe Asclepius was a demigod? He hardly seemed the type.
3: I can't believe you didn't check before you and Zeus killed him. If you
0: talked to Apollo first, you might have avoided this whole mess. Apollo had taken the news of his son's death rather hard. The sun god had gone on a rampage, slaughtering scores of the Olympian Cyclopes who crafted Zeus's thunderbolts. Now Zeus wanted the whole thing over and done with. He'd promised Apollo that he would raise Asclepius from the underworld and bring him to live on Olympus. He should have consulted Hades first.
1: There was nothing to discuss. Asclepius is dead, therefore he is mine. That is the law we all agreed upon.
2: Well, my love,
0: looks like you've managed to get yourself in a fight with both your families. Speaking of which, what are we going to do about Mel? As frustrating as the Asclepius situation was, it still wasn't the most pressing issue weighing on Hades' mind. The real problem was his daughter. She's not happy, Hades. Maybe if you found her a job, something that suits her. Don't you think I've tried
1: that? I told her we could get her something like her sister, Macaria. You know what she said to me?
3: That she'd rather die than spend her time ferrying privileged souls to even more privileged
1: afterlifes on a luxury island? Um... Something like that.
2: <sighs> Honestly, my love, it's like you don't know her at all. You have to talk to her. And try to listen this time.
1: <sighs> I suppose you're right, as usual. Fine. I'll talk to her. Again.
0: Melinoe sat on the bank of the Cocytus, the River of Lamentation, at the point where it met the Acheron. It was her favorite spot in all the underworld. From here, she could watch the shades of the newly dead pile up while they waited for Charon to take them into the underworld. Every now and then, there was a shade who couldn't pay the fairy toll, meaning that their earthly bodies had not received proper burials. These wandered the banks of the river, staring longingly at the underworld they could not enter. Eventually, most of them drifted off to haunt the world of the living as ghosts. Melinoe was watching a trio of wraiths amble along the shore when she heard footsteps approaching.
2: Hey, Dad. Come to scold me again? Banish me to my rooms? Doesn't matter. Just a smaller prison, right?
0: Your mother
1: thought we should talk, Mel. I... want to apologize. I've been distracted lately. There's this business in Pylos... And your Uncle Zeus won't stop pestering me for this Doctor Asclepius. I told him, if we bend the rules for one mortal, we'll have to bend them for everyone.
2: Awesome, you wanted to talk about
1: work. What? No, we can discuss anything you want.
2: Are you going to let me move out? No. Then there's nothing to talk about.
1: I know it's hard for you to understand, but your mother and I simply want what's best for you. When you're older...
2: When I'm older? You'll just find another excuse to keep me locked up, just like you do with the rest of your precious shades. You don't let anyone leave.
1: That's not true.
2: Isn't it? Maybe we should ask someone who knows.
0: Melinoe held up a stark white leaf, Hades stood rooted to the spot, staring at the leaf as if it were a venomous snake.
1: Where did you get that?
2: I heard a story. That before you met mom, there was another woman. A nymph named Laoke. You saw her dancing in a grove of trees and just had to have her. So you brought her here. You tried to make her happy. Kept her in Elysium where everything's just swell. But she wasn't happy. She wanted to leave, and you didn't let her. You kept Leoke here the whole span of her mortal life. And when she died, you turned her body into a white poplar tree. There's a whole grove of them in Elysium now. She's still your prisoner.
1: You've been talking to Nyx, haven't you? She's turned you against me.
2: At least she tells me the truth. All I get from you is rules and secrets.
1: You are a foolish girl. If you show me anything, it's that you can't be trusted out of my sight, much less out of my realm.
2: I'm getting out of here whether you like it or not. Lock me in Tartarus if you want. Sooner or later, I'm going to escape.
1: Go ahead and try.
0: Hades spun on his heel, stalking away from the riverbank. Melinoe watched him go, a faint smile on her lips. Hades didn't know it, but he had given her exactly what she needed. Though she had already tried to escape many times, Melinoe had never known what she would do once she got out. There was Olympus, of course, but Zeus would send her right back the moment she showed up on his doorstep. Unless she had something to barter with like a soul he desperately wanted and now thanks to hades melinoe knew just where to find one The realm of Hades has many regions, most of them frightening to behold, but there are none so terrible as the pit of Tartarus. It is there that you will see the most wretched souls carrying out their hateful punishments. Sisyphus pushes a boulder endlessly up a hill, only to have it tumble down each time he nears the top. Titios lies chained to a rock while two vultures tear at his liver. Ixion hangs from a burning wheel, his only source of light save for red-hot streams of bubbling lava. All of these received punishments to fit their crimes. So it was with Asclepius. Please lie still. I've almost got
4: everything back in place. It will hurt worse if you squirm.
0: The torture pits of Tartarus created a never-ending stream of bloodied and battered souls. Asclepius treated them all. He sewed wounds, repaired shattered limbs, and sifted through the entrails of the disemboweled. All of this he did without rest, and with his wrists and ankles shackled. But the true punishment was that once he was done, his patients were all sent off to be tortured again."
1: there.
4: Good as new. The suture should hold this time, and your liver will grow back soon. Until next time.
0: Asclepius set his tools down on the blood-soaked operating table as his patient was carted off. The next one would be along any minute, but for now, he had a rare moment alone. Or so he thought. Without warning, his shackles unlocked and fell to the floor. As Asclepius stared at the pile of chains in surprise, a figure materialized in front of him in the act of removing their helmet.
4: Hades, what new torture do you have for me now? Wait, who are you?
0: Long, dark hair fell around the figure's shoulders as the helmet came free. It wasn't Hades, but a waifish teenage girl with pale skin and shadowed eyes.
2: Dr. Asclepius, I presume? Grab your personal effects.
4: I'm dead. I haven't got any.
2: Even better. I prefer to travel light. S-
4: sorry, where are we going? <laughs>
2: You're on the ground floor of the underworld, Doc. There's nowhere to go but up. I'm breaking
0: you out of Tartarus. Coming up, a jailbreak for the eons.
3: They say time heals all wounds. But sometimes, time can do anything but. Welcome to Cold Cases, the new Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Carter Roy. Every Monday, join me as I revisit the clues and miscues of some of the most elusive criminal cases in history. From burglary and arson to kidnappings and murder, each episode of Cold Cases explores the many types of crime, the many ways they remain unsolved, and how long it takes to find the answers, if ever. Will justice be served? Only time will tell. Follow Cold Cases free... And only on Spotify.
0: Now back to the story. The winged fury, Electo, stalked the lower chamber of Tartarus, picking pieces of flesh from her barbed flail. She was one of the Iriniis, the goddesses of vengeance who oversaw the punishments of Tartarus. It had been a productive morning, spent rending flesh and breaking bones. Nothing too exotic, but Electo thought she might get a bit more creative with the next prisoner. Her planning was disrupted by a startling sight. The door to a jail cell was standing open. With a single flap of her wings, Electo crossed the courtyard and flew into the cell. It was the one where the new physician Asclepius treated the wounds of other prisoners. And it was empty. Electo let out a shriek of rage that echoed through the dungeon. A moment later, the air was filled with the sound of beating wings. Electo's sisters, Majira and Tisiphone, rushed into the cell. The moment all three crones were inside, the door slammed shut.
2: Morning, ladies.
0: Hades' daughter, Melinoe, stood on the other side, grinning through the bars. The Furies rushed to the door, hissing and baring pointed teeth. They reached through the bars, clawing at the air with taloned hands. But the teenage underworld goddess stood just out of reach.
2: Oh, I'd love to stay and chat, but I really have to run. Enjoy the new digs.
0: Melinoe ignored the howls of furious anger. She hurried to the next cell over and unlocked it, then headed to the next door and did the same. The soul of Dr. Asclepius followed close behind, nervously wringing his hands. What are
4: you doing now? Shouldn't we be getting out of here? Every
2: good jailbreak needs a diversion, Doc.
0: The first unlocked cell slowly opened and a giant lumbered out. Melinoe tossed him the ring of keys.
2: I think the inmates can take it from here. Shall we be going?
0: Let's. There is only one road out of Tartarus, an ancient, winding staircase of crumbling rocks jutting from the sides of the Great Pit. Melinoe led the way with the haggard Doctor Asclepius trailing a few steps behind. His foot snagged one, and he stumbled toward the edge. Malinoe grabbed his wrist just in time, wrenching him back to safety.
2: Ah, careful! We're right over the Titan's cage. I'm sure my grandfather would love a snack after all these centuries.
4: Please, I need to rest.
2: There isn't time. If you want to get out of here, you'd better- Duck!
0: This time it was Asclepius who pulled Melinoe aside. A club sailed through the air where her skull had been. She looked up to see a hundred-armed, 50-headed giant standing glowering down at her. Hecatonkeries,
2: I'll deal with this. What should I do? Enjoy the show.
0: Asclepius gaped as Melinoe raced up the last of the stairs to meet the giant. She danced just out of its reach, nimbly dodging every attempt to snatch her. As it reared back for another swing of its club, Melinoe whipped out a pair of onyx daggers and dashed forward. She slid between his open legs, slashing at the tendons of his heels." The Hecatonqueries roared in pain, but Melinoe wasn't finished. She hopped to her feet and delivered a firm kick to the giant's buttocks, sending him toppling over the edge into the pit. Asclepius watched him plummet to the bottom, where he landed with a sickening splat.
4: He's going to fill that one in the morning.
2: Serves him right. That's the guy who caught me last time.
4: You've tried to break out before?
2: Maybe two, three dozen times. They kinda blur together after a while.
4: Oh God, I don't mean to be rude, but I can't afford a practice run. I've seen what your father does to people who make him really angry, and I'm already on his bad list.
2: Hey, I said I'd get you out of here, didn't I? Neither of us are getting caught.
4: But if you tried and failed 30 times.
2: This time's different.
4: Because I'm here?
2: No. You're just gonna slow me down. It's different,
0: because this time, I've got dad's helmet. The Helm of Darkness, or Cap of Hades, as it's sometimes known, is no ordinary piece of armor. It is one of three devices of war crafted by the Cyclopes. For Zeus, they made the Thunderbolt to rend the sky and pierce the Titan's thick hides. For Poseidon, they made the trident, to shake the earth and stir up tempests. And for Hades, they made the helmet, which renders its wearer invisible. It is for this reason that Hades is called the unseen, for no mortal shall look upon his face until the day we enter his realm forever. After Tartarus, Melinoe and Asclepius made for the main gates, hugging the edges of the Stygian Marsh. This was a place no sane mortal would enter, a putrid bog full of noxious fumes and rotting remains. It was here the runaways met their next enemy.
4: (coughs) Gods, what is that stench?
2: Uh, I'd recognize that breath anywhere. Eurinimus.
0: Little is known of the demon Urinemus, the spirit of decay and rot. He feeds on the flesh of dead mortals buried within the earth so that all mortals become bones in time. He has mottled black and blue skin, a lipless mouth with gnashing teeth, and wears a cape sewn from dead vultures. Quick, before he wakes up, give me the helmet.
2: What? I'm not giving it to you, it's mine.
4: Of the two of us, I'm going to seem a lot more out of place wandering around the underworld. You live here.
2: The second you put this thing on, you're just going to disappear and leave me.
4: I would never.
2: You're my ticket into Olympus, pal. I'm not letting you out of my- Now look what you did.
4: What I did?
0: Melinoe had already slipped on the helmet and disappeared. Asclepius looked up to see the hulking blue demon bearing down on him. He suddenly felt very alone. Then he noticed a line of footsteps forming in the soft mud, racing toward Eurynomus. Melinoe was charging the demon. Unfortunately, Eurynomus saw the footprints too. With a sudden lurch, he reached down and snatched the invisible melinoe out of the air, then plucked the helmet from her head. She squirmed in his massive palm as he grinned down at her.
2: Uh, uh, let uh, me go! Uh.
0: <coughs> Suddenly, Eurynomus's eyes went wide, His jaw slackened, and he tumbled forward, crashing headfirst into the marsh. Melinoe rolled free of his hand and pushed herself up. Her onyx dagger was embedded in the side of the demon's skull, and Asclepius was clinging to his shoulders. How,
4: How did you... The Tyrion is the weakest part of the human skull. I guess that demon's anatomy wouldn't be too different.
0: Asclepius reached down and scooped the helmet out of the murky swamp water. He held it out to Melinoe.
4: Shall we get moving?
0: Let's. Soon enough, they passed out of the marshes and into the meadows of Asphodel. A haze of twilight lay over a field dotted with white flowers. At the center, a great mass of souls pressed together, moaning quietly. Asclepius stared at the shade's blank faces as he and Melinoe pushed through the crowd.
4: They don't even seem to notice us.
2: They are only half awake. Even if you could rouse them, they wouldn't have much to say.
4: In some ways, it seems a worse fate than the horrors of Tartarus. At least I knew myself there.
2: Given enough time, you would have become just as mindless. That's how it is here. Hades makes everyone numb.
0: Beyond the river lay the Lethean Fields, the first part of Elysium. Asclepius wondered at the rolling hills and endless fields of wheat where long-dead heroes basked in a warm orange glow. Looking up, he was startled to see not the sun, but a ceiling of glittering gold.
4: How is it so warm and bright here? Are we not still beneath the earth?
2: We are. There's a magma well near here. The rest of Elysium lies above, on the Isle of the Blessed
4: isle of the blessed?
2: It is an island on the surface. Dad once told me that only the most virtuous souls were allowed to enter the Lethean fields. They're the people you see here. Brave heroes, noble queens, the greatest philosophers, poets, and musicians. But when you're reincarnated, that means reborn in a new body. You get a whole new lifetime to be judged for. Very few souls are good enough to get into Elysium twice. And those that make it in three times are taken to the Isle of the Blessed to spend eternity in true paradise. My sister Macaria is the one who takes them there.
4: I've never heard of anyone getting a second life.
2: Neither had I. Just another one of Dad's secrets, I guess.
4: If you don't mind my asking, why are you so desperate to leave? It's not like you're a prisoner here. Isn't it? Well, not like the rest of us, at least. Though, I take it Hades isn't winning Father of the Year?
2: He means well, I guess. He just doesn't get it. I don't belong here. I never have. My mom doesn't come from the underworld, you know? Her mother is Demeter, goddess of agriculture. The living world is in my blood.
4: But if that's true, the underworld is also in your blood. You have both natures in you. Perhaps you have to just find a way to honor them both.
0: Whatever. They continued along the western shore of the Lethe, until it joined the flaming Phlegathon. They crossed this too, then the Styx, which circles the underworld seven times. Here they came to the towering black gates of the dead, which can only be opened by the Keys of Hades. Fortunately, Milenoe had a copy. It had been no simple task to steal the originals, make a mold, and return them before Hades knew they were gone, but it had been well worth it. The keys stuck for one terrifying moment before turning in the lock, and the doors swung open.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey, boy! Easy! It's just me and a friend.
0: <laughs> Getting past Cerberus was even easier. All it took was a belly rub and a few gigantes bones, and the hellhound let them stroll right through. Charon was trickier, as she expected, the ferryman charged the dead one iron obol coin for passage across the rivers of the underworld, but Melinoe didn't have an obol, and Asclepius had already spent his, but after some haggling, Charon had accepted an alternative payment, a golden tree branch fished from the shallows of the Styx months earlier. They reached the far bank of the Acheron, crowded with waiting shades. Melinoe's heart hammered in her chest as her feet touched dry land. She was now further than she'd ever gone before, but she was not ready to celebrate just yet. A rolling mist lay ahead of them, so thick that Asclepius had to hold on to Melinoe's cloak to keep from getting separated, They walked through this gray-white haze for what felt like hours until slowly the mists began to lift. Melinoe looked up, and her stomach plummeted. A thousand gemstones twinkled down at her from the dark ceiling.
2: No! Oh, we're still trapped! We must have been walking in circles! Melinoe... It's gotta be another one of his tricks. No matter what I do, he'll never let me leave.
4: Melinoe, relax. Those aren't stones. They're stars.
0: What? Melinoe looked again. Asclepius was right. It was not a ceiling of earth above her, but the night sky. Melinoe's eyes filled with tears as she took in the glittering constellations. In the distance, a bright ore burned on the horizon, filling the sky with streaks of orange and purple. It was the sun. We did it!
2: We did it! We did it!
0: Melinoe threw her arms around Asclepius, laughing and crying tears of joy. The living world was more beautiful than she had ever imagined.
4: Where to now?
2: (laughs) I've never really thought this far. We have to get to Mount Olympus, though I have no idea where it is.
4: I do. It's part of a mountain range not far from my old hometown of Thessaly. If we can only figure out where we are, what's that sound?
0: Oh, no, 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 no! Melinoe and Asclepius looked toward the horizon. A horse-drawn chariot was rocketing toward them across the field, silhouetted against the sun.
4: He found us.
0: Melinoe turned back to Asclepius and thrust the helmet into his arms. Go!
4: What? Go! I told you, I'm not leaving you.
2: Don't be an idiot. If he catches me, I'm going back to the palace. You're going back to Tartarus, probably worse off than you were before.
0: Go! Asclepius opened his mouth to protest again, but a look from Melinoe silenced him. With an apologetic grimace, he raised the helmet to his head and disappeared. Melinoe swallowed and turned, ready to face her father.
2: Okay, Dad, you got me. Oh.
0: The figure staring down at her from the carriage was not Hades, but a towering man with bronze skin and glittering gold armor. His chariot was gold, his horses white, and the arrow aimed at Melinoe's throat was silver. This was Melinoe's cousin, the sun god Apollo, and he didn't look happy to see her. Coming up, Melinoe drags the underworld to the brink of war. Now back to the story. Hades stood at the window of his throne room, staring out at his kingdom. Managing the underworld was never without its stresses, but today it felt like everything was unraveling. The prison riot in Tartarus was finally quelled, but the physician Asclepius was still missing. Even worse, no one had seen Hades' daughter Melinoe in hours, and he had not yet received the worst news of the day. Hades! Persephone? What is it now?
1: A message from your
2: brother. Zeus and Apollo are demanding we turn over the soul of Asclepius at once. Otherwise they'll
0: join Hercules' assault on Pylos and raise it to the ground, along with your temple.
1: <sighs> they will do what they must. Even if I wanted to, I could not give them what they asked for. Asclepius has escaped.
3: Oh no. Hades, that's not all. They want to trade Asclepius for Melinoe. They have our daughter. Oh.
1: Tell Thanatos to ready the Kyries and call the Irines and the Aneroi. Call everyone.
3: You're not going to fight him?
1: What do you think, Persephone? I'm going to bring our daughter home. If Zeus' heart is set on war, I will not disappoint him.
0: While Hades was marshalling the forces of the Underworld, far, far up above, his daughter was enjoying her newest prison.
2: Let me out of here!
0: Melinoe hammered on the heavy door to no avail. Zeus and Apollo had already left. If any god was still on Olympus, they weren't interested in letting her out. Eventually, she gave up and slid to the floor, face in her hands.
2: All I wanted was to move out, not start a
0: war. This is all my fault.
4: I think I share at least some of that responsibility.
0: Melinoe shot to her feet as a figure materialized before her. Asclepius finished removing the Helm of Darkness and held it out to her. Doc, what are you doing here?
4: Repaying a favor. You look like you could use a jailbreak.
2: (gasps) You're a godsend!
4: If you want to thank me, I have a suggestion. Your father and uncle are about to wipe a town off the face of the Earth with their war. A lot of people are going to die unless someone puts a stop to it.
2: But Pylos is leagues from here. I'll never make it in time.
0: At this, Asclepius reached into the satchel around his shoulders and pulled out a second helmet. This one was smaller and made of gold, with wings on either end. Melinoe recognized it at once. (gasps) The cap of Hermes? How did you get this?
4: (laughs) I spotted Hermes sleeping on the credenza on my way in. It was an easy matter to lift the helmet. Careful. As I remember, it's got a real kick.
2: Thank you, Doctor. But one more thing, how do I get to Pylos?
4: Easy, just follow the storm.
0: When scholars recall the stories of the Olympians, they cite two great wars. First, the Titanomachy, when the younger gods overthrew the Titans and won control of the cosmos. Second, the Gigantomachy, when the giants rose up against Olympus and almost destroyed it. But there is another battle, often forgotten, that could be seen to rival those two. For in all of history, it was the only time that Hades and Zeus stood on opposing sides of the field. The only time when the forces of the underworld rose up to challenge the armies of Olympus. The Battle of Pylos. The sky over Pylos was black with storm clouds and the bodies of winged demons. Mortal Greeks knew these creatures as the Kyries, disease-ridden spirits of doom and violent death. Electo, Majira, and Tisiphone had been appointed to lead them, But there was no guiding the creatures once their bloodlust had taken hold. They streaked through the darkness, swooping down to attack the armies of Hercules. Apollo flew through the maelstrom on his chariot, loosing silver arrows with abandon. Lightning raked the sky as Zeus hurled bolt after thunderbolt from above. And down below, Hades stood in his black chariot, clad in black armor. In one hand, he gripped his bident staff. In the other, he clutched the reins of his dark horses. Rain streaked his unprotected face. Without his helmet, other gods and even some mortals could see him, for once he did not care.
1: Let them look upon their doom and know me.
0: Hades raised his scepter, and the army of thonic spirits behind him charged. They crashed into a sea of enemy soldiers, mortals led by Hercules, and immortals led by Ares and Athena. Thanatos followed close behind, swooping low over the battlefield like a dark bird of prey. He darted and weaved through the chaos, cleaving souls from their bodies with his glittering sword. Everywhere you looked, immortals clashed with demons while mortals wailed in terror and pain. They had come prepared for war, but had found themselves in a battlefield of their worst nightmares. Hades rode through the battle, crushing enemies beneath the wheels of his chariot. With each swing of his staff, he split the earth, sending mortals tumbling to their deaths. He would have fought until all the armies of Hercules were dead if she hadn't stopped him. Dad! Malinois! Hades pulled up hard on his reins, bringing the chariot to a shuddering stop. Melinoe materialized suddenly before him, with the cap of Hermes under one arm and his own helmet in the other. She rushed toward him, dodging soldiers.
2: Dad, you have to stop this!
0: What are you doing here?
1: I thought you were captured!
2: I told you, I can take care of myself! Asclepius is back at Olympus like Zeus wanted! I'm going back to the underworld like you wanted! So you can stop this whole thing before someone really gets hurt. Call off the battle and send everyone home.
1: It's too late for that. Your uncle crossed a line when he threatened my family.
2: Do you even hear yourself? He is your family, your brothers.
1: I'm glad you're safe, Malinois. Now put that helmet back on and go home.
2: You are so infuriating. I broke out of Tartarus to get away from you. I broke out of Olympus to get back to you and you still won't listen.
0: Melinoe was right. Hades wasn't listening. He was staring across the battlefield at a hulking man with long, wild hair and a lion-skin cloak. The man's bow was aimed right at Hades. He released the arrow. It arced through the air, rocketing toward him. Hades saw its path and knew it would not strike its target the beat of a demon's wing sent it off course the slightest degree, pointing it toward the back of Malinoe. In the blink of an eye, Hades stepped forward to shield Malinoe with his body.
4: Hades looked
0: down to see the arrow lodged deep in his shoulder, black veins spiderwebbed from the wound. The faint smell of poison burned his nostrils. Tipped
1: with Hydra blood,
0: how clever. Then the unthinkable happened. Hades, god of the underworld, fell. The gods are immortal, this we know. Their bodies are perfect, undying, but in other ways they are just like us. Their minds are no less fragile and they can feel pain as well as any mortal. Hades felt pain now. It spread through his body like a great wave, setting every nerve on fire. Within seconds, it had consumed his mind.
1: In that moment, I was back where it all began, deep in the stomach of my father, Cronus, back in the vortex of pain and chaos. In that moment, there was no Hades. There was only oblivion.
0: Hades opened his eyes. He did not know where or when he was, only that some time had passed and that it was very, very bright. The face looking down at him was the last one he'd expected.
4: Uh, Asclepius? Actually, it's Paion now. Zeus had me, uh, how would you put it? Immortalized? How are you feeling? Uh, a bit... <clears throat> Well, that's better than all-consuming agony. Can you move your
1: fingers? (sighs) Yes.
4: Try sitting up. Slowly.
0: Hades did as the doctor asked, carefully pushing himself up to a sitting position. He tested his wounded arm and found that while it still ached, it retained all of its mobility. He looked around, blinking at his surroundings, and found that he was in a grotto of Olympus. Looking closer at his physician, he saw that Asclepius no longer shimmered like a dead soul, but instead glowed with the power of an immortal.
1: Did Zeus destroy Pylos? Where's Melinoe?
4: She's fine. She's back in the underworld. And Pylos is still standing. Everything stopped when you fell. You should have seen your people. I thought they were going to march on Olympus that minute and tear it down column by column. Probably would have if Zeus wasn't so quick to call a truce. I see. I know he wants to put this whole thing behind him. So long as you're alright with me staying here and not going back to Tartarus.
1: It appears that you are no longer dead, so there is no reason you should be in the underworld. What are you going to do?
4: Well, it seems like Olympus could use a head physician. And there are a lot of mortal doctors that need guidance. The state of the medicine they're practicing
1: its positively Stone Age. I think I can do a lot of good here. Perhaps. But I'd advise you not to revisit your old experiments. Mortals, generally speaking, are meant to die.
4: Understood. You can expect a steady stream of souls. I'll just try to make their lives a little less short and
1: brutal before they arrive. Lovely. (sighs) Oh, you really shouldn't get up just yet. Thank you for your services, Doctor. But I'll not be needing them any longer. Once again, I have been away from home far too long.
0: Melinoe sat on the banks of the River Kokytus, watching the shades drift along the far shore. She looked up at the sound of approaching footsteps.
2: You're back already. I thought you'd be on the mend a while.
1: Your doctor friend is quite skilled. Tortoros will sorely miss him.
2: I'm sure. So, what level of grounded am I? I've never started any... Inter-family wars before so this is uncharted territory for me.
1: (laughs) Me as well. But I think you're more than old enough to learn from your mistakes without me dictating punishments. I just came to give you this.
0: Hades held out his hand. Dangling from his fingers was a ring of golden keys. Dad, is that...
1: Your own set of keys that you may come and go as you please
0: though your mother expects frequent visits Melinoe took the keys staring at them in disbelief then without warning she threw her arms around Hades wrapping him in a tight hug <coughs>
1: oh, Melinoe <coughs> my shoulder
2: <laughs> sorry I thank you
1: I should have given you your own set ages ago There is one other thing I have for you. More of a favor than a gift. Would you... take this? Seeds? White poplar seeds. They are such unique trees. I think it would be a shame if they only grew in the Underworld forever. Would you mind planting some the next time you're in the Overworld?
2: No problem, Dad.
1: Well, you're free now. Just like you wanted. Have you thought about what you're going to do?
2: Actually, I did have something
0: in mind. Our story today was woven from the fabric of three main sources. First, information about the goddess Melinoe. While no myths about her survive today, we know that she was an important underworld deity, famous as the goddess of ghosts. Despite being a princess of Hades, Melinoe didn't spend all her time below ground. Instead, she traveled the world above, shepherding the wayward spirits that could not enter the underworld. She's been interpreted by scholars as a goddess with a dual nature, both light and dark, and is often pictured leading a teeming horde of spirits. Melinoe's unique job reflects how the Greeks saw the afterlife in general. Hades was an underworld where the fairies always ran on time and every shade had its proper place. By looking after the wayward spirits who'd been turned away, Melinoe ensured that in death, everyone was accounted for. One thing that isn't completely clear is the ultimate fate of these wayward spirits. In some texts, it seems that they were destined to haunt the world of the living forever, But others suggest that they could eventually gain entrance to Hades after wandering for 100 years. I like to imagine that this shift was Melinoe's doing. Perhaps she finally convinced her father to loosen his rules. The second story we explored was the myth of Asclepius. By raising the dead, he made an enemy of Hades and ensured his demise. But he ultimately left the underworld and ascended to godhood as Paion, the head physician of Olympus. The rod of Asclepius, a staff with a serpent wrapped around it, is closely associated with medicine to this day. Our third source is the siege of Pylos. In the Iliad, Homer recalls that Hades defended the town against Zeus and was struck by Hercules' arrow. The wound was so serious that Seneca remarked, though lord of death, Hades feared he would die. In an ironic twist worthy of the fates, it was his old enemy Asclepius, now Paeon, who healed Hades so that he could return to ruling the underworld. Along with these, we drew upon countless other underworld stories to illustrate how the Greeks saw Hades. He ruled his kingdom with an iron grip, ensuring that everything functioned as intended. But he wasn't all about work. He appears to have truly loved his family, even the ones in Olympus. While modern pop culture tends to view him as a jealous villain, the Greek myths reveal him more as a dependable big brother, generally staying out of the drama, but always ready to step in to help his siblings. Ultimately, though, Hades' heart was in the underworld with Persephone and his children. This was the family he made for himself, and one that was only getting larger. Well, you sound happy,
2: my love. I take it the headaches have finally stopped.
1: Persephone, come over here. I want to show you something. What's this? The plans for what I want to do with Malloye's old rooms. What do you think?
2: It's an office. You have an
1: office. Ah, but this one's bigger. I could use somewhere to plan upcoming projects, new sections of Tartarus, add-ons to the palace, that sort of thing. It seems a bit, hmm,
2: superfluous. And we'll need the space for the new nursery.
1: It's not superf... What did you say?
2: Not to mention, Mel's gotta sleep somewhere when she visits her baby brother.
1: Baby? You're not serious.
2: (laughs) I assure you, Hades, my love. I'm dead serious.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. This concludes our tour of the Ancient Underworlds. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. And if you enjoyed today's story, keep your eyes on the feed. The Thonic Gods will return in a future episode. Zagreus, heir of Hades. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back next Tuesday with another epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythology was written by Andrew Kelleher, with writing assistance by Robert Teamstra, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Jerry Courtney Osteen, Brian Green, Camara Nikod, and Laura Faye Smith. I'm Vanessa Richardson.
3: Hi, I'm Carter Roy, host of the Spotify original from ParCast, Cold Cases. From burglary and arson to kidnappings and murder, explore the many types of crime, the many ways they remain unsolved, and how long it takes to find the answers, if ever. Catch a new episode of Cold Cases every Monday. Listen free, only on Spotify.